everybody. Welcome to the Hair Wire, the place where you get hair smart. And this is your host, Sergio Cardona, with my panel today, the beautiful Bitan Dipsy. How are you doing, Bitan? Hi, hi, everybody. I'm really good. Thank you so much, Sergio. Uh, I'm so excited to be here today, and I'm looking forward to this episode. So join yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> and also, the beautiful Carrie Jerry. How are you doing, Carrie? Hi, everyone. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for today. I'm very excited about this topic. And let's get the show on the road. Let's get the show on the road, guys. We all introduced the panel. So today we have an amazing show for you guys. Today we're going to be talking about brum, scalp conditions, guys. Ooh, this is a good one. We can take weeks about this one, guys. How do you feel about this? <laughs> yeah, let's not let's not talk about it about an hour or two hours. Let's just make it short enough because we three can keep talking and talking forever. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the problem. Whenever you put three three colleges who love science this much, I mean, we can talk for weeks and never stop. I mean, I, I tell you, for the students that I have doing internship in my office, they know I keep yapping and talking for thirty five straight hours. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, it is. I can see that. You're like, whoa, that's too much. Yeah, you know, but when that's the thing, we're enthusiastic about what we do. We love, we love hair care and we love it so much that, you know, we uh, wake up, drink, sleep, everything about hair. Like, like, we believe in this stuff. Like, we really, to the core, we believe in this stuff. Like, all my scientific research is going towards hair because, as we said many times before, hair is the barometer of health. So, whatever's going on inside you, it's going to show up first thing in your hair. So, it is important. I don't know. Like, really, very important. Right, Very, (laughs) Very important. Yeah, I don't think we we consider that as often. Like, what is your hair telling you? What's the lack of it? What's the dull of it? What's it telling you? It's a biomarker. And a lot of people don't realize that. So, yeah, we're here to share that. That's right. That's right, guys. We're here to share about hair. So let's start sharing our presentation to you guys. Today, we're going to be talking about scalp-related issues. And the first one that we have is which one? Let me pull it up here. All right. First one we're going to talk about is psoriasis. Ooh, psoriasis. That's a good picture, folks, that we have here about psoriasis. It explains mm-hmm. a lot of what's happening into that scalp. Now, Biz, walk us through the process here. What are we seeing here? So, like, as a scientific definition of what psoriasis is, um, it's a non-contagious skin condition, though it's chronic skin condition. It's not acute as it's going to happen overnight. It's going to happen over a period of time. And it is what happens there. It's a rapid buildup of the skin cells. And there's no elimination of these old skin cells. So it's just build up over each other. And you can see them scaly patches. They can be red, white, or silvery. And if you pick them, the scalp actually bleeds. This is your uh, cue to know that you might have psoriasis as a skin condition. And uh, sometimes, if it is, uh, 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 it is on the usually it's on the scalp, but sometimes you see it on knees and elbows, and sometimes on lower back too. So um, the exact cause of psoriasis is not fully understood yet, but it is believed to be a combination of genetic and environmental factors. 
and sometimes uh, it is also an overproduction or an uh, overproduction over uh, of the over stimulation of the immune system. Um, it could be an auto autoimmune disease as well. So um, uh, let me just finish this. <laughs> so basically, sure. um, uh, as as a definition, as a scientific definition of this chronic condition. It could last for years, it could last for a lifetime, nobody knows. And the triggers ranges from stress to infection to medication. There is like they didn't know exactly what triggers it, but there is absolute trigger. And when we do the epigenetic or your um, or your like medical history for the for the client, you might put your uh, your your finger on the trigger. Excellent. Kerry, on your experience dealing with people with psoriasis behind the chair, what are, what are the symptoms that you're uh, usually seeing? Um, dry, itchy, flaky, painful, irritated. Um, and for you guys out there, I actually have psoriasis myself. I personally have it. I have it on my arms, my elbows, my back, my neck. You do too, Sergio? Yep. I'm also yeah. a psoriasis survivor. Yeah. So... <laughs> And it's, you know, it's not a one size fits all world. And a lot of times when I have clients, I see it, they, I could, I could empathize because I know too what it feels like. Cause it, you have times where it flares up and it burns. I've had times where I'll lean on my elbow and I have a flare up and it hurts. It feels like I just fell off my bike and my elbows are scraped and it, there's nothing I could do except for play it out. But honestly, like Bassan said, you don't know what the, what the cause of it is, but you could start as a personal start analyzing your triggers of what you have, like notice patterns within two weeks of having a psoriasis flare up what happened did you have a stress trigger um and that stress trigger was it you know uh, a mental stress was it a food sensitivity i know now i've i've narrowed down for me and again it's not a one size fits all world out there but i know for me um mental stress doesn't really flare up my psoriasis as bad as a food stress will. So I know yep. if I've had a uh, contamination of gluten, I also have celiac. If I've had a cross contamination with gluten, whether it even be me sitting at a bar counter and they had spilled beer and the beer gluten is on my skin, like actual contact, my psoriasis, I'll flare up. I actually will start bleeding Whoa. within 10 minutes. Um, or if I've eaten anything, I know to cheese as much as I love cheese, I have to go in with, you know, very calculated if I'm going to eat that grilled cheese sandwich, or if I'm going to save it for a charcuterie with wine and cheese with my friends. But I know I'm going to have a flare up right now I have a small flare up, but I had a girls weekend with charcuterie celebrating a 40th birthday. So I know the trigger. So when I have clients come in and they talk about the burning sensation, I'll give them advice from my personal experience. But again, Saras is it's one of those tricky things. It's uh, not a one size fits all world out there. Yeah, Definitely. So do you, do yeah, you no, I, I, was, I have triggers, especially to Doritos. Oh no! <laughs> I love that thing, you know. And every time I eat Doritos, I get a flare up, and you know. It's that's funny. It's funny. Yeah, no, that's the thing. You know, it, it's funny. What how... about cheesies? Do you get flared up from cheesies? Uh, some some types of uh, yeah, some types of of uh, potato chips, uh, cheesies. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't eat much cheeses, but you know, Doritos. That's my thing. You know, <laughs> and it, it's incredible because um, you get other other products, and you know, you don't flare up to them. But there's specific things that in our diet that can trigger that. And as you mentioned this, you know, it's, it's a genetic thing. My father had it. 
my sisters have it um and it's incredible how in each one of us it shows differently and that's what many people don't get you know they believe that because it is genetic it's going to show up in the same intensity for everyone else and it doesn't it changes it changes yeah. you know yeah. uh, i have psoriasis my kids could have psoriasis and they will show differently in my body than in their bodies so the expression of uh, the, the the genetic expression changes though it can express itself and that's what it's a key about this subject now mm -hmm. of course we can have stress uh, related triggers we can have food related triggers we can have medication related triggers infection related triggers i mean there's a tons of things that you know can interact into the process and make it flare up. And when it does, you know, like Carrie was mentioning, it, it can go bad. Now, for some people, uh, it, it starts like blisters in their hands or in the, on the sole of their feet, which, you know, those blisters are part of the psoriasis uh, uh, interaction as well. And uh, I used to have those uh, type of blisters uh, in the near the elbow area. And yep, exactly. Like mm -hmm. inside of the elbow. I don't know how you translate that into English, but. <laughs> yeah, they look like little blood blisters, like little. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It look like yeah. blisters, you know, and, you know. It, Not it's, like it's a traditional part... burn blister. They're like little. Exactly. They're like little blood pockets almost. Like pimples? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, but not really. They're just like tiny, tiny that... little red blisters and the things you know they, they will go and sometimes for for me and when it happens on my hands it's like water blisters but small ones and itchy and burning and my god i hate those and you know burning the thing color. is the thing is you know uh you can have it in a few moments and a few hours later they're gone okay that's incredible you know how how it reacts but the thing is if you get the scratch and you know you're gonna burn yourself you're gonna hurt yourself and that's gonna lead to a bigger uh lesion of psoriasis so it's you know getting your hands in control is what's yeah. gonna get you at the end of the day but you know uh people love scratching and i you know i i get a lot of uh, a lot of my patients they come in you know and they will use uh scissors knives uh pencils uh, whatever they can, you know, to scratch their head. It's incredible because the itching is so, uh, so far out. I mean, the more you scratch, the more it burns, but yet you feel some kind of relief. And that's why you keep doing it because you feel yeah. some sort of relief, but you're hurting yourself. Yeah, so, sure. yeah and causing causing scarring alopecia i tell my yeah. clients when they do have psoriasis and not to touch it like i try to tell them not to pick it because you're going to create a scab but if yeah. they really have to you take someone dollar their finger and press on it and rub just to kind of like make the epidermis layer and the dermis layer kind of shift itself without scratching mm -hmm. or tapping to help not scratching tapping that will help relieve a lot of that sensation just putting mm -hmm. that little bit of pressure or even like just putting mm -hmm. some pressure on the spot will help yeah. relieve a lot of that and then as well too you don't want to pick at it to cause more aggravation you want to make sure that you're really you know um 
cautious of what you're putting on your scalp too. I know when I'm in the shower, I'll rinse with a lukewarm to cool water because I know with the hot water, it'll make the dry skin more dry yeah. and more itchy. So I'll do a lukewarm to cool water. My husband always laughs. He's like, you always have cool showers. I'm like, yeah, because it feels good on my scalp after and I don't get yeah. the itch. <laughs> like, that's yeah. Why. yeah, that's what I was about to say. As, uh, also, like, you know, the ice packs, if you put the ice packs, it will cool the sensation out. Yeah. Yeah, it, it works. It works. Uh, one of the things that I also like to use uh, the aloe vera gel with yes. uh, lidocaine. Uh, yes. It works wonderful uh, when yes. it has the lidocaine on it. And, yes. you know, it calms, it soothes. Uh, but again, it's not going to cure it or anything. It's just going to help mitigate with, of course, the, the, the burning sensation that you're mm -hmm. experiencing at that moment. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Many people walk around telling themselves that they have psoriasis when in fact they have subderm. Right. Wait, you wait, guys before think we about switch that, that uh, I yeah. want to show you a quick trick. Oh. Uh -huh. that's, that's cute. What is this? This thing is a soap block that you mm -hmm. can get. And what I will do time to time when my psoriasis flares up really bad, I'll take aloe vera and I have fresh aloe vera plants all over my house. Or you can get aloe vera gel at a health food store and you blend it and you freeze it. And I add vitamin D or vitamin E capsules as well to, to it as well. And I'll put it in the freezer and I have little blocks that will help on the days that mm -hmm. I have a flare up and that aloe vera and the vitamin E will help with any of the inflammation, mm -hmm. swelling, and it helps soothe it. So just a little hack, you guys go check that, that out. Do you, do you keep those cold or uh, yeah, uh, in the freezer? The oh, yeah. You That's just make easy. a couple. <laughs> this is thinking about the cold, you know, soothing. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and it has little, it's very just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah i'll use it just on days awesome. that it's really a cheer if i've had a bad flare-up i just keep a couple in my freezer and like i don't get flare-ups all the time but before i knew my triggers I, before i knew my triggers i had bad flare-ups like i was head to toe bleeding all the time i couldn't figure it out and i also have dermatillomania which is trichotillomania where i pick my scabs so i constantly I needed those tools. So now I just keep a couple blocks in my freezer when I have a flare. But honestly, because I know my triggers, I haven't had a flare in probably two years now. And that's so. the thing, you know, knowing your flare-ups, exactly. mm -hmm. understanding yourself. Biz, you were commenting something. Yeah, I want to actually exactly talk about knowing your triggers. So um, as a functional medicine health coach in training, they teach us how to, like if a person comes in like a psoriasis or any chronic condition that you need to, identify the triggers so the easiest free thing to do is to give them a food journal uh, where they can journal for seven days for 21 days and then if it was a food trigger um, or they can actually put where they were like we went to the park today we went to I took the bus today any kind of different situation rather than uh, home or, or school or, or work so basically And then when, when the person flares up, we can, at the end of seven days or 21 days, we can come back and see the connection. Is it a food-related or it is environmental-related or what it is? So this is how the easiest free thing to identify a food trigger. And as a trichologist, we can start with this and then build it up. Then identify that trigger, try to figure out how we can remove it. And then as psychologists, we have all kinds of tools to calm it down, as Kelly said, um, like all the tools that she was talking about to just calm it down. And by removing the trigger, most likely it will go away. 
Yeah. Uh, I wanted to mention, you know, uh, the importance again of following through and understanding what it what what's causing it. You know, that journal, it's key. It's key for anyone. I mean, you want to understand what's happening to your body. You do a journal. You do a journal of what you're eating, what you're doing on a daily basis. And by keeping that information, you can correlate it to what's happening every time you have a flare-up on, on any kind. So it, it, it's not only for psoriasis. I mean, you can apply that for so many things in your life. And it's a great hack. And when you come to when you go to a doctor and you and you be like, you know, I have my information, I have my documents here, you know. And it will be easier for any medical yeah. expert, you know, to draw it down to, okay, this is where we need to go. This is the, the place where we need to revisit, you know, and it makes it simpler. And, and it's it's good science. That's what it is. It's observation, you know. And I, I think as a tri all, all trichologists should actually use this free tool, yeah. right? Because all hair loss, except for the androgenetic alopecia, they have triggers. Correct? Yep. Am I? Yep. Yeah. So I think all of us as trichologists should keep food journals to give it to our clients. I would say I'll give it to the client in the beginning of my first consultation. And then the follow up, I'll see what is, I'll try to do connections. If I didn't see connections, you know, we keep digging and digging until we find some. Yeah. I, I, I love the idea. Love the idea. Very important there. Um, I have many, we're going to be talking about treatments later on, but uh, one of the things that I wanted to, to mention, uh, you know, to help people differentiate between subderm and yeah. psoriasis, because again, uh, you see a lot of people, uh, they come to the office, for instance, and they be like, uh, Sergio, I have psoriasis. And I'm like, okay, uh, was that uh, your doctor uh, opinion, your diagnosis? No, my own. I'm like, mm, okay, we need to talk about it more. <laughs> Because that's mm. the thing, you know, pe people self-diagnose themselves constantly and they don't know what, what's happening to them. And even uh, epithelitis is the simplest form of dandruff. Uh, people can confuse it with yeah. psoriasis. So uh, we, we need to separate one thing to the other. And that brings us here to seborrheic dermatitis. So what is seborrheic dermatitis? This? Yes. So the exact cause of seborrheic dermatitis is unknown. Like with all, with most of uh, hair loss conditions and scalp conditions, they are unknown. That's why we need to dig deeper and deeper. Uh, but it is be believed to be the overgrowth of uh, the yeast, malassezia. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a kind of yeast and it's found usually in skin. And of course, when certain uh, factors like stress, hormonal changes, certain medical conditions can trigger it and it will come out like a seborrheic dermatitis. So how it's look like exactly in the picture, it's red, scaly, and the oily patches on the scalp. It's found on the face and sometimes other area in the body. And uh, it affects all ages from infants all the way to 30, 40, 60. Even like uh, my daughter had a kind of seborrheic dermatitis for babies. It's called actually cradle cap. And it took me, it took me five months to get it on control. And I am a trichologist, but <laughs> <laughs> it took me five months to get it under control. Um, yeah. Sometimes yeah, so... it's, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes, you know, 
you have to work around it and uh, until it clicks until you know you finally get it under control uh one of the things that i also like to mention about seborrheic dermatitis is you know the the yellowish type of dandruff that is quite unique from subderm instead of for instance psoriasis which is always silvery always white uh you don't see that yellowish type of dandruff and you know That's one of the things, you know, people confuse uh, uh, seborrheic dermatitis with psoriasis so much is, you know, you have to differentiate this. You know, one is dry, the other one is oily. Simple. <laughs> And yeah. with the dry one, if you pick them, you might bleed. You do not see that with with subderm, with seborrheic dermatitis. Uh, if you if you scratch it too much, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to get, you're going you're gonna, you're gonna to cut yourself. Yes, but Other than that, you will not be able to see blood uh, after you you pick uh, on your skin with seborrheic dermatitis. And again, uh, these two types of scalp conditions, uh, you may see them as uh, autoimmune disorders, genetic, uh, autoimmune, and also they can be triggered by by many, many, many things. Uh, Carrie, on your experience, what, what have you seen uh, with the seborrheic dermatitis? Yeah, um, exactly what you said. I see it quite often more with clients going through hormonal changes. Um, so, well, yeah, it's those little triggers. Exactly what you said. I'm not going to repeat what you said. So, <laughs> Yeah, uh, we have also uh, with Sebderm, um, specifically one of the things that I, I've been able to find with my cases, uh, and I get I get a lot of Sebderm because I'm, I'm in the tropics. I'm in the heat, baby. So over here in the island of Puerto Rico, we have a lot of moisture, a lot of heat, and it is quite common, I'll say. Uh, I know that uh, maybe in Canada, uh, you have more psoriasis than than, than maybe subderm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, you know, if, with, with depending on where you live, you may see some conditions, uh, you know, more commonly than others. Over here, subderm is, you know... Like uh, rice and beans everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, uh, I have a couple of treatment options that I was reading about this morning for subderm, and it's really interesting. So, since subderm is a chronic condition, as we said, um, so there's microbiome targeted therapies, which is uh, basically probiotics to the skin. You know how yes. we take probiotics and prebiotics for our gut? So it's yeah. the exact same thing. It's just for the skin. Uh, so they they actually are called microbiome targeted uh, therapies to restore the balance to the skin microbiome and alleviate the symptoms. It's amazing that. Mm. And uh, one of the things that I like uh, what you just said about, you know, have a healthy microbiome on the scalp. It's very important because, you know, you have the malassezia, you have yeah. the demodex. And many other types of uh, bacteria uh, that are needed in our scalp. Yet, when these uh, microorganisms grow in large numbers, they create havoc. You know, yeah. and that's the thing. You know, we have to eliminate the excess of it, because if we eliminate them completely, then we throw off balance mm -hmm. our scalp, and you know. That's huge. That yeah. is huge. Um, whenever we talk about uh, keeping the microbiome on the scalp, it, it's very delicately balanced, specifically with pH levels. 
I cannot even begin to, with this discussion because whenever you go, um, you whenever you go to to maybe the pharmacy, the supermarket, or even a beauty a beauty shop, you see thousands of bottles of shampoo, right? But do they test the pH level for those? Do they show pH level numbers? Not many. And the fact of the matter is that most of the products that we have out there are very, very alkalinic to the scalp. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we need to consider is that the scalp is balanced at 4.5 to 5.5 on the pH level scale. And most products that we find on the shelves, uh, they're about nine and eight on the pH level scale. So it is alkalinic. And most of the time, what that will do, it will dry your scalp like crazy. Mm -hmm. And you would say, but Serge, that's what I want. I need to remove the oils from the scalp. Yes, we need to remove the oils, but what if we do it inversely? Let's reduce the pH. Let's use more acidic type of product instead of alkalinic. I love oh, how you say that. Okay, I I had done a present. I used to teach for Matrix and for Davinus, and I actually did a presentation on pH with another colleague of mine. We have to do a topic on this. I think we need yes. to do a whole yeah. video on this because I, I this is amazing. It's funny because the whole acidic. I always tell my clients put lemon. Yeah. Oh, lemon is because yeah. it's a you know your ass bouncing it out. I love that you said that. Sorry, I had to jump in because I'm getting no, excited. No, no. And, and the same thing with uh, for instance uh, apple cider vinegar. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, you know, apple cider that's vinegar. A, that's one of the ways that you can get rid of excess bacteria, uh, uh, malassezia, demodex. You can get rid of those, you know, by using that. And, and it is acidic and it's going to help balance that pH level on the scalp. So the thing is, you know, whenever you're thinking about um, treatment, for instance, one of the things that I, I like to do for my customers is I like to use a two shampoo treatment. Uh, I like to use a acidic treatment, uh, acidic shampoo, you know, to treat the scalp. And I will use a second shampoo, but, you know, to dry for, for, for dry hair, you know, to balance the moisture after I remove excessive amounts of oils. So that way I can, you know, uh, balance the equation here. And I love using uh, conditioners and moisturizers to the scalp, particularly whenever I'm dealing with septum or psoriasis. Because these types of condition, whenever you're removing dandruff, I mean, you're going to use heavy stuff. You're going to use, you know, strong products to remove those scaling, those, those scales out of the scalp. So you're going to dry the scalp intentionally. All right. Since we already know that that's going to happen, then I intentionally moisturize to counterbalance the effects. So yeah. that way I can get, you know, I can get the cleansing at the same time I'm getting the moisture. And once that that flare-up has been under control, I get the uh, the harsh ingredients out and I stick with, you know, the uh, 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 a level of moisture less intense than the one that we were using before. So we're keeping it cool. We're keeping it calm. And in, in, incredibly enough, there's a correlation between pH and moisture, uh, an inverse relation. So the more moisture the lower the pH, the more dryness, the higher the pH. What do you guys think about that? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. You said that I want to talk about the apple cider vinegar thing. Actually, what 
what uh, how I did solve the problem of the cradle cap for uh, for my daughter is actually using apple cider vinegar. Yeah. <laughs> um, we did apple cider vinegar baths uh, to kill off the bad bacteria on her skin and scalp because also eczema is very related to cradle cap. Most yeah. people who have who have uh, eczema will have cradle cap. I mean babies. Uh, so anyway, we did the apple cider vinegar to kill off. Uh, the bad bacteria and give her probiotics specifically targeting the skin. So we counterbalance basically what we're doing. And as you said, exactly after the, the ACV bath, she will be so dry and so scaly, poor baby. And then I will just drench her in a, re in a really good moisturizer. Yep. So this way, after three or four, actually it took us maybe six times, we started to balance and started to counteract that cradle cap and the eczema in her skin. It's amazing. One of the other things that uh, whenever you're dealing with, for instance, subderm, um, the, uh, there are five different factors that I always like, you know, to to pay attention to. Uh, number one, stress. Mm -hmm. If you're under stress, if you're stressing, if you're going through hardship, uh, you need to watch for those, and you need to find ways to manage. What are what are you some of the the, the best things that you guys like to recommend? To uh, to um, you know to manage stress, Carrie. What you 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 are a stress expert. Yeah, Carrie. What, 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 what are the things that, that yeah that you like to 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 do with your mm -hmm. customers? You teach to them. Yeah, um, stress has a lot of things. First, I, I pinpoint what type of stress you have. I categorize my stress in four factors. Um, intake stress, so anything you consume, um, environmental stress, so everything that's happening to you around you, that's that day or that week in that particular time um was there a, a trauma or a residual trauma that was triggered recently that hasn't been addressed or if there's been a physical stress that you haven't been aware of and a physical stress could be even could be from tripping and hurting yourself to even the way you hold your body so for example sitting on your computer all day causing tension in your shoulders causes stress so really pinpointing the type of stress that it is first and then kind of trigger, I usually have them analyzed within a week or two of when things started to happen, when things were changed, kind of like the journal. Like, was there anything out of character that happened? Is there anything out of routine that happened? Is there food that you don't normally have happened? And kind of analyze it so we could pinpoint it the best that we could. Yeah. Or like hormone, and any impersonal stuff, like hormones, like are you going, are you menopausal? Are you going through puberty? Are you, you know, there's a lot of triggers, right? Yeah like stopping or or restarting the oral contraceptives or upping the dose or lowering the dose, all this all causes the hormonal changes in the body. Stop nursing, stop. Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. The postpartum hair loss, uh, I should talk about that. <laughs> okay, and I have to throw in something for cradle cap. When uh, my kids had cradle cap when they're younger, um, I actually saved a lot of my breast milk and I used breast milk on it. That helped quite a bit yeah. and oh, tea tree you know oil. What? You know why? Because breast milk has the best bacteria. You know, it is, yeah. it it's a probiotic. It yeah. has, you know, we are all made of bacteria. We are 3 million yeah. cells of, 3 million bacteria, kind of bacteria, whatever the number is, but it's kind of in the millions. Anyway, your breast milk is is very compatible to their, to their microbiome and skin microbiome. That's why they use breast milk. It's yeah. just perfect. You just said that. We even also, had my my lactation expert. So my son Hendrix actually, he even he had pink eye. 
<laughs> my daughter, I was nursing at the time and my lactation coach, she actually came, she like put some of the breast milk around his eye nice. and it, he was three, two, two, almost three. And it cleared up his eye completely. I was like, wow. <laughs> Incredible. There's a market for people yeah. buying breast milk. And the thing is that they're using it uh, for uh, lotions, shampoos, and even to make soap out of breast milk. And, you know, yes, uh, my, 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 my sister-in-law, she was doing it. She started a business nice. <laughs> using breast milk, you know, and, and doing soaps out of it. And I will tell you that those, uh, those soaps were medicinal. I mean, the skin um, becomes smoother, shinier, uh, any inflammation goes down quicker. I mean, Breast. It is the best bacteria you can ever ask for. <laughs> Because that, that's the thing, you know, it, it's, it's again, uh, it's, it helps moisturize. It helps uh, uh, reduce uh, the pH level on the skin. So it, it is, it's a win-win. It's a win-win okay. in there. So uh, we were talking uh, about stress and stress techniques. So uh, one of the things that I always like to mention to my customers, you know, go for a walk. <laughs> go for a walk, you know, uh, do workout, uh, meditate. Uh, pray what you like do what you like you know but Cream. yeah you know pray, i always tell them to... to do things that bring them joy that they get lost in time and it can't be tv it can't be radio it can't be something that creates noise in the thought process it yeah. has to be something where you get quiet in your own mind and a lot of people are like i can't meditate it's too hard to fall asleep i get it i fall asleep and i meditate too that's why i make jewelry you got to do something that helps you get in the same mind go for a drive Do something that fills your cup, that type of activity that is soul food. Like our souls need food too. And that's, yeah. you know, doing things that really light you up, like going out with friends, um, going, just doing an activity that brings you joy. Like for myself, like I could come home from a long day's work, a long day's worth of work, exhausted exhausted i'll come downstairs and i make jewelry that's my my mindful practice i'll make a necklace i tell you it's like i had 10 cups of coffee i feel re really recharged relit and kid you know i gotta tell you guys a story this is an incredible story um when people i tell people to do things that bring you joy even if you're tired push through it it's kind of like sergio talking about yeah. counteracting the bouncing the ph with alkaline and acid well I went out during COVID when we were allowed to finally go out. My girlfriend was an RN at the Misericordia Hospital and she was working through COVID and we were finally allowed to have six people go for dinner. So we're like, hey, six different people, let's go for dinner. And I remember I was sitting at the table and my girlfriend walked up and I didn't even know it was her. I didn't even recognize her. And I looked at her, I'm like, and she sat down in front of me. I'm like questioning her and I realized who it was and I said, why are you here? You need to go home. Like you look like not healthy, go home, go to bed. And she looked at me and she said, Carrie, you know what? I just need some soul food. I need some of my friends yeah. to pick me up. And I'm, I kid you not, we have pictures from before and pictures after. And so we had our dinner. We had a lot of laughs. We had fun. We enjoyed each other by the end of it. It, it was like she had a makeover. Yeah. Right. She glows. Color. She glows afterwards. But, you know, it, Being with uh, human contact is, is something amazing. And, you know, uh, it relaxes a lot of people. A lot of people, they rather be alone. But, you know, do whatever works for you to manage your stress. Me, personally, uh, I live in an island, so I go to the beach. <laughs> I have a story for you. I mean, then we're in this island and you're mm -hmm. near the beach. So, you know, that that's the beauty. But 
the thing is, you know, you have to work on your stress because stress is a powerful signal. Right. And when it comes to subderm, it will trigger the sebaceous gland to produce more sebum. And the problem with subderm, guys, is that, you know, that sebum, when it's being produced, it gets clogged inside the follicles. And when it gets clogged inside the follicles, it gets oxidated. And as it oxidates, that sebum becomes toxic. And when it goes and draws out from the follicle to the scalp, it will burn. That's one of the things that we see with subderm. That sebum becomes toxic and starts burning the skin to the point where we start seeing the scaling. That's why subderm is so different uh, to psoriasis. Uh, and, and this is one of the major uh, features of it. So dealing with the stress is very important to help control that sebaceous gland activity. The other area that you guys mentioned was hormonal control. Let, before before we go there, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a story to tell about stress reduction. Aha, uh -huh. let's talk about it. Yes. And one of my darkest times, uh, I was like really sick and in bed and it was really hard. Sergio Cardona called me. Ah, <laughs> yeah, the call of a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> he called me out of the blue. And I have been in bed for the past, I would say, three, four months at that time. I didn't move. I couldn't move around. It was like really, really, I was in a really bad shape, healthy, health-wise health and mental-wise. And out of the blue, Sergio Cardona calls me. <laughs> and he picked up that I was um, uh, like struggling. Five minutes, I am not kidding you, Carrie. Five minutes into the phone call, I was walking around the house, talking like full of lung, full of from the full of my lungs. And some somehow he pulls me out. And somehow I am motivated again. Somehow I'm ambitious again. And somehow we're doing great stuff back again. It took him five minutes to get me out of this. By the grace of the Lord. <laughs> I, actually, no, I, I, I know that the Dino Dean was like, hey, was uh, Sergio, when, are, when are you calling again? When are you calling again, please? <laughs> Dino was very jealous. He's like, three months I'm trying and I couldn't get you out. And then Sergio was five minutes phone call. He was just, get you moving. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the thing you know whenever you get a call from a good friend you know it, it, it lifts your spirit up right you know and, and whenever you, you you're having you know hard times you you want that call but it, if you haven't heard from a friend please pick up the phone and start calling people okay this is this is something for you guys you who are watching pick up the phone and start calling people because there's people in need everywhere there's people in need everywhere so it, it actually helps a lot when you're dealing with stress yourself to call someone up and, and you know to help out anyone out there if, if getting involved in someone else's you know life uh it actually helps you uh control your stress yes it, it puts you in the right place you know gets gets you you know uh, well maybe i'm not doing that bad you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you you just shift your focus to something else because when exactly. we're struggling physically or mentally we just focus we are just in a box and we need help of other people outside of even our family like the people we see every day we need yeah. somebody else to just pull it out of this box um and and at that point i had a lot of of like um Remember, we talked about this, uh, Carrie. I had a lot of trichodenia, which is pain in my scalp. 
and we will talk about this in, in, in another episode, but it's actually where your hair follicles become painful and it's called trichodenia. And it's solely because you are under a stressful situation. Yeah. It's just amazing how our, how our body works. It's like your hair follicle starts to be painful. Like how, how weird is that? It shows you that something is wrong and we need to deal with it. I Now, know. let's talk about hormonal changes on how these hormonal changes can also trigger our septum uh, effects. So, uh, Carrie, let's talk about here about a little bit about hormones. People don't take care of their hormones. Yeah. What's well, up with that? I mean, people having diabetes and they don't take care of their diabetes. They have uh, thyroid issues and they don't take care of the thyroid. I mean, what's going on? <laughs> Well, a lot of it has to start with lifestyle, being aware of what you're eating, being aware of your body. Um, it really starts with, you know, being physically in shape. And, you know, a lot of people, when they think they have to be physically in shape, they have to be in the gym forever and working out and lifting weights when really it's 20 minutes of getting your heart rate up, 10 minutes up and down the stairs in the morning, 10 minutes up and down. It's just getting the heart rate going up. But hormones, it's, you know, that's the number. It's usually the reasons that there are out of balance is those you're not taking care of your body. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. I'm, you're not drinking enough. You're not eating for your body. You're not physically exercising. Now, there are those times where, you know, you can't help it. Yes, there are those times. And they're also, too, coming into hormone changes as well. For example, pregnancy, puberty, menopause, all of yeah. that, that does come into a factor. But if you are prepared for things coming up, it'll make the load a lot easier as well. But just being aware and open open to you know figuring out how to balance those hormones and your you know the new changes actually uh, like, uh, like hormones ahead. hormones sergio is the is especially for women uh most mostly for women is very very uh, hard thing to uh balance out because mm -hmm. uh, as carrie said it is all about your your lifestyle and stress level and uh Uh, your diet and all the things considered, but uh, some people are um, more pre predisposed to have uh, hormonal imbalances even before menopause. Like on uh, even most women, when they start to hit 40, they start to feel the changes in their bodies. So I think, uh, right? Oh yeah, duh. <laughs> but the, the thing is, you know, <laughs> if, if you start seeing the changes, why yeah. don't you go to a doctor? I mean, that's, I, 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 that, that's one of the things that that, that I. Uh, It, it, yeah. it gets me mad whenever I have this uh, sweet ladies come into my office and they're not visiting their gynecologist. They're, they're not going to their doctors. I'm like, woman, you need to visit a gynecologist. Come on. But <laughs> some, some are prepared to hear about it or prepared to face it. Some it's yeah. a, it's a scary topic. I know, um, I know they can be scary, but you know, logically, if you're feeling something, if you're seeing something, ignoring it will not make it go away, guys. So, no. you know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get into the psyche of why people, you know, neglect their bodies when their body's speaking to them. You know, I can't and tell you we why. should ask, we should act up upon it. Why, why do you think that's biz? Uh, I think because all the like hormonal uh, replacement therapies got really bad uh, media since uh, since it started uh, to be a topic back in the 70s or 80s, uh, when they started using synthetic hormones to balance hormones for women, um, then a lot of breast cancer cases started to be on the yeah, rise. Yeah. However, it is so till now, 
80% of the population think that hormonal replacement therapies are bad. It is actually on the contrary. They don't use synthetic hormones like, like it started in the beginning. Now it is more advanced and they do microdosing and there's a lot of uh, uh, like, like devices you put on your body, uh, the woman body that it sees the hormonal changes during the day and during the cycle. So if they, if they are under the care of a really good functional medicine doctor, unfortunately, Western medicine doctors are not trained enough unless they are, this is their specialty. So unfortunately, some gynecologists, they're actually, they don't know how to deal with hormonal imbalances because medical school doesn't teach them how to do that. But uh, most of functional medicine people will know how to do that, especially the one who practice hormonal imbalances is a very niche specialty. So they will track through the phases of the woman's cycle and they microdose exactly what the woman need with bioidentical hormones, not synthetic hormones, uh, like they are synthetic, but as yeah. it's bioidentical, they are as exactly. near as the, the, the hormone found in our bodies. And I think my personal opinion, I am not a doctor, just my personal opinion that all women should do that uh, because menopause and pre-menopause are not pretty. It's not only hair, it's mood swings. It's, yep. I have seen it and I have seen it in myself too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the health flashes, <laughs> the dryness, the, the, right. uh, so many things that, you know, like that happen at the all same the, time. All the scalp conditions can be triggered just because of a lady who has hormonal imbalances, all, yes. all of them. It can be psoriasis, it can be subdermal, it can be anything. Yes. And uh, to add one thing before, sorry to make it long, but to add one thing, men actually do go through menopause. We yep. don't usually like, okay, some, some men, they don't acknowledge that, but actually- Even we don't, do. we, 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 we don't like to, we, we, yes. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> we do, we do, we do. Come on guys. Yeah, the macho, <laughs> I know, but men, is, they do have hormones as us. Of course, we are more complicated, biologically speaking, as females, but, but males do have hormones. <laughs> yes, we are, biologically speaking. And our <laughs> okay, so, but let, let's go back. So basically men do, do go through menopause and hormonal imbalances and they need to go to the man gynecologist i don't know what they call it <laughs> or, usually usually we see the, the urologist or proctologist okay thank you because you know <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, after 40, we, we want to skip that visit uh, for obvious reasons. But I mean, the raw and honesty here. I love it. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. We're life, guys. We're life. <laughs> but the, the thing is, you know, we need to visit our doctors. No matter how, how uncomfortable it may feel, we need to address our hormonal issues. Right. If we are not uh, addressing them, we are neglecting. And by neglecting, our body is going to suffer. And of course, the hair is going to suffer. So okay. if you care, you guys, if you're watching, if you care for your hair, start taking care of your hormones. Period. Sergio right. just woke up. Sergio <laughs> 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 just woke up. <laughs> so here's the thing. We talk about stress. We talk about hormones. And I mentioned there were five elements here that, that we need to take care of. So the third one would be diet. Then the thing with diet, specifically with Serbderm, is about glycemic load and about lactose, about milk products. 
And there's a couple of studies that shows that uh, high glycemic uh, diet and, of course, a high uh, milk uh, product diet can increase the production of androgens, thus leading to the production of more sebum, thus leading to subderm and many other conditions. So what do you guys think about that? There's a Carrie. difference between glycemic load oh, and glycemic index. Yeah. That glycemic index is where your blood sugar shoot up right to the sky and then goes down. Uh, no, sorry. Glycemic index is when <laughs> I got so much ahead of my myself in my head. Glycemic index when when the fruit actually yes it raises your blood sugar really very high. But glycemic load is um, is actually the number of the number of carbs, not carbs, without the without taking without taking in, into consideration the fiber. So they're two different identities. Mm -hmm. um, I'll research it more so I can explain it more. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, the, the sugars in the body uh, will react uh, upon us, and you know, it, it can trigger those androgens. And you know, again, DHT is. Uh, produced in the sebaceous gland and it will react upon the sebaceous gland and we create more of it. And, you know, it, it can sometimes, and, and this is one of the funny things, whenever I see subderm, uh, sometimes to say the least, I will say that about 60% of my subderm cases will be related also to antigenetic alopecia because of mm -hmm. the androgens in the sebum. Uh, so that's one of the things that I, I also like to consider. Now, Kerry, uh, whenever we're doing the uh, specifically the uh, epigenetic test, we we talk a lot about the diet, and we 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 talk about you know the, those little things in our diet that can cause a reaction. So walk us a, a little bit uh, about this here. About the ingredients and stuff, like yeah, how how, the, how they can you know react and make our body. For instance, uh, I was mentioning, you know, lactose and um, sugars can make our body can trigger our body to produce uh, more sebum, and we see similar cases with other uh, other nutrients in the uh, in our system that you know. Uh, for instance, uh, I was doing an epigenetic test uh, this week for a, a, a small girl. Uh, she was about a year and a half, and one of the things that the test showed us, you know, stop eating chicken for 90 days. <laughs> <laughs> like kids only eat chicken, you know, but her alopecia areata was being caused by uh, maybe some of the hormones that are in the chicken sometimes, you know, so we need to lay low on it for a little while for our body to, to, to regress, you know, to, to go back to where it should, should be. And, you know, uh, what do you think of it? Yeah, absolutely. Food is a huge thing. Um, and for those that don't know, my husband is a trained chef, and I've also taken a lot of nutrition courses myself personally. So I do know a lot about nutrition and food. Um, and being I love celiac, a cook. <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> but a lot of food, like you have to be really aware. Like we, we are, we are different chemicals, and there's chemical reactions to things, and different foods have higher amounts of stuff. So, for example, like you have foods that are higher in mineral. 
higher in vitamin, higher in amino acid, higher in fatty acid, and knowing those foods and depending and doing an epigenetics test, we can analyze what you might have to be cautious of. For example, myself, I have to be cautious of high rich vitamin K foods because, and so once you start being aware of that and knowing, you know, for my body, I know what I'm craving. I know what I'm not craving. I know um, if my body's depleted in it because my body reacts to it. And yes, absolutely. You have chemical reactions, chicken. Um, it could be the test, uh, tryptophan in it that's causing an effect on them. I know turkey and poultry does have high amounts of, of tryptophan, but have a cause of an effect. So yeah, it depends on everybody. Like you talked about lactose, it could be lactose, but it could be the high protein in the milk that they're reacting to that their body's not able to break down. Um, and it's epigenetics is essentially biohacking your body to heal itself. So that way you could consume these foods, unless it's a monomaly of something, there are factors that are in consideration too but for example as a celiac i if i've had an attack i cannot digest and produce i cannot digest um any produce i it inflames things it makes my guts all look bad but if my gut is in a healthy state and i've biohacked and healed my gut i can have more amounts of dairy than normal because i'm aware of healing my gut and using those tools to heal my gut so yeah, absolutely. Like food is a big factor. A lot of people don't realize. And just because you have a reaction to something today doesn't mean you won't have a reaction to it from a month from now if you've corrected it either. Yeah. So, yeah, you this study is, this. So yeah, this is exactly going back to what we said uh, two, three episodes back. It's about your food sensitivities. So um, whenever, whenever a person comes with alopecia areata or any scalp condition, I will actually run a food sensitivity because it could be uh, uh, like some trigger in your food and it could be the healthiest food ever. Like for example, for me, for me, it was broccoli and cauliflower, the healthiest food ever. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think, right? Yep. But as, as Kelly said, we are all chemical reactions and we have our unique microbiome. And as Kelly said, microbiome keeps changing uh, because it adapts to what food you're eating right now. It adapts to your environment, to what kind of bacteria you are um, exposed to. So I, uh, and also by seasons, it goes by seasons, right? Kerry, you do the epigenetic testing yeah. by seasons too. We do it by um, seasons. I also, too, a lot of people don't consider, and I'm Canadian, so we have a lot of people that are mixed race. So we have a lot of right. different nationalities. Um, for myself, I'm French, Scottish, and Polish. So we also yes. have to keep in consideration yeah. our ancestors. So I'm an evolution of my ancestors. So being aware of what you're an evolution of, and what your current environment is. And it's, again, I'm going to say this, I, I should get this tattooed. It is not a one size fits all world. No, no. And all amen, like, amen. <laughs> no, no. You've got to figure it out. That's yeah. what DNA, we all have, there's not a single DNA that, like, we all have different DNA. And it's understanding that for you and analyzing that, understanding that. Like, as soon as you understand that, the world changes. Like, as soon as I understood my DNA and my body and my triggers, I eliminated my psoriasis. I've helped with stopping the hair shed. Like, there's I, epigenetics. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Actually, uh, I don't know if that fits here, but um, in my DNA testing, I found out that I do have a sickle cell trait, not a sickle cell anemia, the disease is just a trait. So on all women who has the sickle cell trait, we should be on vitamin, uh, multi, uh, complex vitamin Bs, B complex basically, and folic acid for the rest of our lives. 
for the rest develop. Yep. It, it because, because our red blood cells are less efficient by 30% than a normal person. So the amount of oxygen that carries in our circulation is 30% less. So I need to, to increase my, my red blood cells by having uh, vitamin B complex, folic acid, iron if I'm deficient because I, like some people are not deficient in iron because I eat a lot of red meat. I love barbecue. Not <laughs> I think we all. all do in this group. <laughs> know, not at all. Yeah. I'm a meditarian. And, uh, <laughs> um, and and uh, what else? Uh, so 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 basically, one oh, and also the one recommendation that I eat uh, liver and organ meats to keep my red count, red blood cells count high. So since I did that, you believe it or not my hair is actually looks better don't you think it yes, looks it better do you remember when when i had my postpartum hair loss it was like really in a half of the size and just three months of taking a vitamin b complex folic acid and uh, i take because i i don't i can't find in florida good liver and uh, heart and i don't know how to cook them or i don't want to go through the hassle so i take them as pills Okay. So, nice. so, so my red blood cells are just going up and up, and my lymphocytes and uh, uh, sorry, my platelets, not my lymphocytes, my platelets are going up and up. So I am having really good hair, and how I know that this is working by looking at my hair. That's my biomarker, my free biomarker. Yeah. I love that. Love that. Now to end the the septum uh, five uh main issues the other two we already discussed them and it's basically seasons the temperatures high temperatures low temperatures can trigger these uh these situations and also our microbiome if we have a disorder with our uh, uh with our bacteria with our um uh, funguses that we have on our scalp or the parasites they are gonna run and gonna make they're gonna start building more sebum into your scalp so looking at those areas guys uh we need to understand that you know by controlling those five simple areas we are able to reduce the uh the uh, the events of septum those flare-ups can be reduced during the year and we're able to take control of our bodies so what do you guys think about those uh about seasons and of course about microbiomes Exactly. Uh, and also, okay. like, uh, I think, exactly. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but like, I do have one more question for both of you. Uh, do you think uh, light therapy will be a good idea here? I love the idea of light therapy. Do you use it for subderm? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, with I, if I have clients, because in Canada, we get the four seasons, but we joke where I am, we get two major seasons, winter and summer. And yeah. I do see it when we come from winter to summer, summer to winter quite often. And I do recommend going out in the sun and exposing the sun exposure, like as natural as you can. Because um, I know I sometimes get the suburban flare-ups too. And if like I, after pregnancy, I got it um with the hormone changes and but they would come all over my body and sitting in the sun a little exposure to the sun helped clear it up and control it and same with the psoriasis as well um you can't beat vitamin d and yes the light the low level laser therapy too does help but honestly if i could first and foremost recommend i'm always like get in the sun safely yep. safely get in the sun so yeah because that, that's the thing you know for, for people who have either septum or psoriasis 
the sun becomes the enemy. So you have to watch it for when are you taking that sun? You don't want to take it, you know, in the middle of the day because <laughs> it's going to flare up like crazy. Yeah, no, you got to use it as a tool, like as exactly. a tool. Right. You got to use it for the right amount. Like 20 minutes exposure is more than enough. I know with my psoriasis, it could either make it or break it. And it's just that little bit of exposure until it's healed and under control. Absolutely. Yeah. Same with this. And also, one thing to add here: also, the color of the skin is 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 a, uh, it makes a difference here. Yeah. The lighter we are, uh, the le less amount of sun we need to get all the vitamin D um, receptors in our skin to change to change the sun, the UV light into vitamin D. The darker the skin is, it needs longer time uh, to so. I mean, the, the color of the melanin, the amount of melanin in the skin actually varies. The darker the skin, the They more... need to be out more. They oh. need to be out in the sun more than lighter skin people. Interesting. Because their receptors, actually, they are less in number from people who have light skin, the, the, the vitamin D receptors. So the you darker the skin... You have to think about it, you is... know, as how, who, who's more prone to get burned? Correct. Light skin. So, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, I turn into a tomato. <laughs> yeah. You, you and I, we, we go to our end of the right. sun, you know, in 15 minutes, you're burned. Yeah. And, and I can stay longer, you know. Right. But yeah, me and Sergio, yeah. we can stay longer than you, for example. <laughs> yeah. But somebody who has a darker skin to get the same benefit from the sun as we did, they have to be even longer and longer. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> this, is, this is the things you know, you know that, that we discover here at the hair wire guys this is why you choose the hair wire to get hair smart hair guys smart. <laughs> I love so, Carrie tell us uh, do we have enough time because if we keep talking I, I could go for hours guys oh my God, I, I don't know. Yeah, I are know. we good you know what I don't know when we started <laughs> <laughs> okay I think you know what I think we're enough. on we're on to about and coming up to an hour so right. yeah so, so let's, let's wrap it up guys uh so uh, i hope you guys enjoyed this episodes today and probably we're gonna chop it off in a couple pieces but <laughs> the thing is that you're getting good information here on how to understand what's happening with the subderm and the psoriasis of course we're going to be revisiting this subject many times uh, afterwards but this is a good start for you as long as you're getting the right information and you understand that, you know, each body is unique, each body reacts differently, but you're getting bits and pieces of information that you can start, you know, working and getting your scalp ready for next season, guys. So yeah. um, anything that you guys want to add, Biz? Yes, I want to tell people, please comment on each episode. Uh, tell us, tell us your questions. Tell us uh, if you have any case that we can actually discuss next episode we would be happy to do that yes. um and then let us know your opinion uh, just write in the comments what would you like to hear uh, i think one of our uh um followers said that she want to hear about uh as hair fibers remember yep hair fibers so, issues and hair products we're going to be talking about products. a lot about products yep hair we're going to be doing that yes. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so I mean, let us get engaged with each other, let us get interacting because we are here for you. We are spending one hour, sometimes two hours, <laughs> recording <laughs> episodes just for you. So to get hair smart. Yes. So let us know. <laughs> let us know. Carrie. 
Thank you for watching you guys. And again, like, follow, share. And please, if you know anybody who would benefit from this, share it because the more we get out there, the more people we help and you're helping us grow. So again, like, share, hit the notification bell so you can be notified of our next episode. Subscribe, guys. Subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we hit the 100 uh, mark. We hit the 100 mark. And we're pushing for the 1,000. So let's make it work, guys. Spread the word. Let's get hair smart with the hair wire. Thank you guys for tuning in. And visit our website, thehairwire.com, thehairwire.com. Till next time, see you later, guys. Bye. God bless you. Bye-bye. <laughs>